Let's um, open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7. And I've come for one purpose today, and that's to help somebody. I mean, seriously, help somebody. Here's what I've realized after 30 years of working with people, helping people, pastoring people, loving people, wanting to slap people. is everybody is dealing with something. Everybody's got some issue, some battle that they are facing. The truth of it is, we should really just be nice to everybody. You've heard that statement, you never know what somebody's going through. You know, it's so easy for us to criticize, be critical. Um, As Christians, we love to be condemning. We got this thing that we kind of know where we should put people at in their life. So I've come to encourage you today. I've come to help you. And I want to talk to you today about the antidote to anxiety. Um, Because here's what I've come to realize, you know, is technology is supposed to make life easier, they say. But I found out that it's making us more anxious more frustrating, we're more glued to our phones than ever before, we're more connected and hooked on social media than ever before, when before things didn't bug us as much, but now we're worried about how many likes we're going to get, and if we don't get those likes, we get a little stressed. I know we're overwhelmed with finances and family, and we live in a very tense, uptight, fast-paced world, we're going 100 miles an hour. We really are. You talk to anybody, you go, hey, how you doing? Oh my God, I'm so busy. But yet we can fly through an entire Netflix series in two nights. But we are so busy. I can tell you this, we are frazzled, we are overwhelmed, we are complexed, We are bewildered. We do have heavier workloads than we've ever had in our life. We got greater demands, and I know there is higher stress. But I've come to tell you that there's an antidote for all that madness, all the stuff. Now, we're talking about this because everybody deals with it. There's not one person here that can say, I can't relate to anything that you're saying today, Rob. I'm telling you, everybody can relate. Now, the Bible does not assume that we won't have anxieties. The Bible does not assume that we won't have stresses and worries. It just simply gives us the antidote and tells us how you and I can combat those things when they come against us. Let's look at Philippians. Now, get the picture, and it's so appropriate that he read that letter from that prisoner at Southeastern. I thought that was perfect, because the letter that Paul is writing here, Paul was in prison. I mean, and he wasn't getting out. So you got to realize the conditions here for Paul. He's in prison. He's not getting out. All right? Watch what he writes. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
So what he's telling everybody is get some joy. A lot of times we are so shallow in our belief systems and so shallow in our Christianity that we won't worship, we won't praise, we won't rejoice until something good or we get a reason to do it or we go, we're feeling it. I got to feel it. Well, I am sure Paul is not feeling it. And I'm sure that Paul is giving this instruction not from a good circumstance. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. Why are you freaking out? Why, why, why are you stressed out? Why are you anxious about what you are anxious about? He said, don't be anxious about anything. But if you are anxious about anything, he says, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And if you, if you present your request to God... Here's the byproduct. And the peace of God. Not anxiety. Not the stress. Not the worry. Not the freaking out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to preach on that today. Hey, listen, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, and let the peace of God that passes all understanding rest on every heart, every mind, every individual, every family, over every situation in this place right now, in Jesus' name. If you and I don't break the tensions of daily living, those tensions will break us. The word antidote um, is simply this. It's a medicine that's taken or given to counteract a particular poison or to counteract or cancel. Everyone say cancel. I like that. Cancel with an antidote. So an antidote, whatever you're, what's ailing you or you're dealing with, cancels it. And I believe as believers, we need an antidote for worry. We need an antidote for the stress and the anxiety, the anxious thoughts that get to us. The the word anxiety actually means this, a stage of uneasiness, apprehension about future uncertainties. Now the word worry, see you can't separate worry and anxiety. They're married. They like love each other. Like they never leave one another. They always go hand in hand. If you're going to see anxiety somewhere, you're going to see worry right with it. If you see worry, you're going to see anxiety right with it. That word worry actually means to strangle or choke, suffocating, feeling we experience at a time maybe when we have fear. Okay? Um, You know, there's always anxious thoughts that we face. I turned 50 this year. 
back in May. And so I had to get a colonoscopy this past week. Sorry, don't mean to give you TMI, right? All right, so I was anxious a little bit, right? Unexpectancy. I don't know what's going to happen. Uncertainty. What are they going to find? It's the number one thing that they help find cancer, you know, colon cancer in people. And it's like, and I've heard stories. And I was laying there in that bed with that sexy uh, hospital gown on, just trying to. And my wife was absolutely having the greatest moment of her t- just laughing and, you know. And um, she goes, you're going to be okay. I said, oh, I know, I know. She goes, well, then you need to chill out. I said, I, I am. I, I'm okay. I'll, I'll be happy as soon as they give me that medicine. <laughs> and when they gave me that medicine, all fear, anxiety, and worry, and stress went out the door, Right? The word worry comes from, you know, if you have dogs, we have two of them. They, they worry on their bones. Trisha will buy these special bones at the pet store and, and they go crazy. And they'll grab it and they'll worry. They'll gnaw on it. They'll chew on it. And I'll go up to Buckeye. He's our little Yorkie. And we have Onyx, our Labradoodle, who is like seven foot six, you know. But, but Buckeye's in charge. And I'll take it from Buckeye and he'll go, Arr. And I was doing that one day, just kind of messing with him. And I realize that's how we are with our anxious thoughts and our worry and our stress. Somebody tries to help relieve us and try to help us get deliverance from it. And we kind of want to bark at them. What are you trying to take from me? This is my comfort. This gives me something to complain about. This gives me something to talk about. Here you are trying to help somebody. And they're going, In 24 and a half years of being a senior pastor, people would come into my office and I would try to help them and they'd get mad at me. Because they wanted to worry and gnaw that bone that they were dealing with. Some people's calling in life, I believe, is they always want to examine what can go wrong. Seneca said it like this. There are more things likely to frighten us than there to crush us. We suffer more often by our imagination than in reality. So the anxious thoughts is what they are. They're thoughts. They're not real. The fear you are facing is not real. It's false evidence that looks real. And so the battle, yes, is in the mind. Can I tell you that you and I are not designed to carry anxiety, stress, and worry. It does not belong a part of our existence. Anxiety and worry gives a small thing a big shadow. And the shadow of a dog never bit anybody. Trisha was having a a moment one time. I said, babe, you need to chill. 
And she said, don't tell me to chill. <laughs> really, not even chill. You know what we're supposed to do is what Peter said. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. And I can tell you this, God's not going to worry. God doesn't get anxious. God doesn't freak out when things seem like they're falling apart. He's not looking at this nation right now going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? God is sovereign. He's in control. He really does have the whole world in His hands. He's got your life in His hands. And it doesn't matter how far you feel away from Him. He's not that far. He's there. Okay, so here's the antidote. You ready? I got two pills for you this morning. Okay? I take a bunch of pills every day. All right? A lot of them are vitamins, too. You know, and my one son, Evan, he, he cannot stand pills. Doesn't want to swallow. And it's a battle. If he gets sick, he, he, you know, his first instinct is, you know, yeah, please pray. I don't want to take a pill. You know what I'm saying? Or give me the liquid form. All right. So however you want to take this, whether it's a pill form or a liquid form, I have two antidotes for you today that when you are faced with anxiety, when you are faced with stress, when you are faced with worry, if you do just these two things, you will win. You will win that fight every time. I don't care what kind of circumstances you are facing or you're overwhelmed with. You do these two things. You take these every day. Okay, you got to take them every day. And there's no limit to how many times you can take them. You just got to take them. Every day. You ready for this? Number one. Prayer. I know I'm preaching to the choir. And I know you've heard this before. And I know it seems so practical, but so many of us don't do it. We talk about it. We ask for it. We think about it. But do we really do it? Prayer should be our first language, not our foreign language. Listen, it should be our first response, not our last resort. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray continually. In other words, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Being a spirit of prayer. Being a spirit of communication with God. Luke 18.1 I, I got, I'm going to fly through scriptures today because this is our foundation and our strength. Luke 18.1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. This is cool. A story that it was a made up story. It was a parable. Okay. Uh, to show them that they should always pray and not faint. I'm going to tell you a story, he says. That you should always pray, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance is, and you should never, ever faint or never give up. Now, in the King James, the one that Paul used, right? The word always. 
I, I do like the, the King James version of that verse of Scripture. It, it uses the word ought. Okay? And same thing for always. But that word ought means under obligation. Means that we are bound. That it's necessary for us. So Paul says it is necessary for you to pray. It's necessary for you to take this antidote in every situation, in every circumstance. James would say it's similar in James chapter 5, verse 16. He said, therefore, confess your sins to each other. What if we could actually do that without worrying about sister so-and-so picking up the phone and calling so-and-so? It dawned on me one day that uh, gossipers are simply backslidden intercessors. They call in the prayer group when they should be calling on Jesus. But what would happen if we really could go to each other, confess our sins or whatever we're dealing with, and that we would actually get the kind of prayer for each other? Because that's what James says to do. So that, guess what? So that you and I could be what? Healed. Healed from our anxiety. Healed from our sickness. Healed from our worry. Healed from our stress. And then watch what he says. If you can do this, that means if you can accept somebody's hearing them tell you their sin or their anxiety or their worry or whatever they need prayer for, and you can actually pray for them, here's how your prayers can be powerful. Because he said, then the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. Simply communicating with God and talking with God. Prayer is a channel of divine powers. Let's mark it down. If you've got one person praying for you, buckle up because you're about to experience something. Prayer can bring you closer to God. It can bring answers to questions. It can bring blessing to others. It can reveal things. Don't ever allow anything to stop you from taking this antidote of prayer. It's your number one priority in the midst of what you are facing. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. And it doesn't change God. It changes me. I believe we need to recover this ancient, relevant. Those are not diametrically opposed. But this ancient, relevant Christian practice and reignite the fire of prayer in our hearts. Because it's the greatest thing that can combat your discouragement, your disappointment, your stress, your frustrations of everyday life. And if you're a human, you will have them. Prayer keeps you from fainting, Jesus said. Prayer keeps you from giving up. That word fainting is, is not the word that, you know, when you lose blood flow to the brain, you pass out. That's not what it's talking about. But this kind of praying keeps you from 
fainting in the midst of turmoil and worry and anxiety. It's not that physical problem that's temporary loss of consciousness. It's actually a spiritual issue. It's a condition that is being posed to every one of us and it's dangerous all the time. We are being faced. Matter of fact, we've said it before. What's the use to keep on doing this? I might as well just give up. I might as well throw in the towel. The word faint actually means to be weak, to fail in heart, or to be weary, to toil, to tire, or to be sickened. That's why Paul says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. I know the pressures of finances. I know the pressures of weariness and strife and job and family and difficulties I know it's like to face oppression and depression at times. I'm telling you, fainting can even make even the strongest believers weary and anxious at times. Okay? But it reminds me of that song, Oh, What Peace We Often Forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. It's true. Joseph Scriven was absolutely correct. Pray. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. Don't get disappointed. Don't lose hope. Praying is what you and I do in our time. And the answer comes in God's time. One prayer can change anything. And one prayer can change everything. Number two, the second antidote, the second pill, praise. But you've got to have a perspective. God bless you. Karen. The perspective of praise. This is where it's not just a feeling. It's not just a move and a groove. This is where we begin to actually put our focus on the securities of God and not our insecurities or our present situations or conditions or anxieties or stresses or worries. We're putting our attention on God when we praise. Because praise is actually um, expressing our affection on God and focusing our attention on God. It's hard to praise and worship and think about the laundry. Philippians 4.1 or 4.4 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Paul said. Rejoice. That word rejoice means uh, feel or show great joy or delight. To give joy. And when I say praise is about perspective, it's how you see it. it it's how you see it. It's the, the, the word perspective is the Latin word that, which means this. To look through. You can look through everything and everything through a perspective of how you were raised. Whether it's a religious background or a non-religious background. Everybody's got some kind of perspective. We all have some kind of glasses that we are wearing. Okay? My prescription has changed drastically over the last 10 years. Every, that's why you're supposed to go back once a year to the eye doctor and they do a whole test. And they, what happens is they have to change my lenses. 
and bring them up to date so I can see things properly. Some of us need a lens change. Some of us need to get a new pair of glasses. Because we're just looking at life. We're just looking at God. We're looking at our situations and our circumstances wrong. We look through it as through maybe sometimes anxiety. Through worry. Through stress. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, what if? No, look at everything through the perspective of praise. It's your choice. Psalms 43, 4 and 5. Then I will go to the altar of my God, my God with exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Where are, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's addressing the anxiety now. He's ad- David's addressing his thoughts, his anxiety, his stress, his worry, his discouragement. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And then he starts to talk to himself. He says, hope in God. And then he says, for I shall praise him again. Again, I will praise him, my salvation and my God. Notice that he says in the beginning of that verse, I will. Praise is a choice. It's an act of your will. That's why he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mouth. Some of us only worship on Sundays or praise on Sundays when we've got a good enough reason to do it. Or if we're feeling it. Maybe they'll do the maybe they'll do my song. Right? And then, then that's when we're motivated, that's when we're moved, or that's when we praise. And praise is an act of our will. This word in this verse of scripture, when it says salvation, he'll deliver us um, uh, it, from those things. It doesn't mean eternity. It doesn't mean your sal- immediate heavenly salvation. It actually means, listen, deliverance, immediate deliverance, um, helping us out of our circumstance, helping us out of our uh, difficulty. So when I praise God as an act of my will, He says salvation comes to me. That means he can take that anxious thought, that worry, that stress, and remove it from your life just like that. So when you're feeling no joy, go to God. When you're feeling anxious, go to God. God will release you through those feelings with your praise and with your prayer. I have found out many times when I... Just can't go on. Worship and praise lifts me up. We did family pictures yesterday. You know what that's like? <laughs> Just getting ready. I think everybody in my family backslid. People might like, worry about what they're going to wear and whether we're going to match or, or coordinate. Are we supposed to match or are we supposed to coordinate? They made me change three times. Ah, stress. And then we wondered what the photographer was going to do. And my wife was going, well, I see some of this stuff. I don't know if I want to wear it. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want it more naturally. And she was getting all anxious and all uptight on the way and making us all uptight. Oh, dear God. 
We get there, we finally get our family, uh, Sister Lois, our family pictures were, you know, we got through in 20 minutes. And then we went out to eat. And so that's just, an that's another issue with us. Try asking nine people where they want to eat. And so I recommend something. And everybody's like, no! And my wife says, well, how, what, what, name something else. I'll name something else. She says, no, I don't want that. I've learned. Then you pick. I'll go wherever. And my son Evan's response to any time to go out to eat is McDonald's or Chipotle. Right? We finally figured out where to go. Everybody was all happy about it, you know. And so we ate. We had a great family lunch. And we get in the vehicle. And we're going to go home. And then we're going to play games. That's another issue. Somebody always cries when we play games. Because all my kids are competitive. And I'm competitive, and my wife's competitive, so we were going to play, play games. So we knew that was going to be intense, too, okay? So Emily was in charge of the music in the vehicle. And Emily is a worshiper. She's a praiser. And she always goes directly to worship. And all of a sudden, uh, a song was recommended, an old song that she had never heard before. And, um, and so somebody in the vehicle with us said, hey, play that old song, Daystar. Daystar shining down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Remember that song? Well, she starts playing it, Jason Crabb's version of it. I knew the guy who wrote it. It was a friend of mine, Steve Richardson. And she begins to play it and turns it up. And I'm looking. Now, we had a little stressful day. And I'm looking. In the rearview mirror. I'm not driving. I'm in the back watching a Buckeye game with my son. But all of a sudden, the presence of God went, boom. Right there. And I'm watching my wife trying to drive while crying uncontrollably. Tears coming. And I was watching her lips. She was praying in the spirit and crying. And I, I said, I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, you okay? You, I just you I just feel the presence. And you know what? That's what praise does. The Bible says God inhabits. He just doesn't come like a Motel 6 and visit. He stays. He lives. He's a permanent resident. When you act your will and praise God, His presence fills your life and fills your circumstance. And any anxiety, any stress, any sickness, any worry goes out the door. Mike, come on up. Psalms 42, 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Listen to me. Worship isn't crawling through a small theological hole to find something. Worship is this. I'm falling back on God, wherever He is, and He is everywhere, and I'm giving everything to Him. I love what the Scripture says in Psalms 100. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Why? Because the Lord is good, and His mercy endures 
forever. His faithfulness is throughout all generations. I mean, sometimes when you're overwhelmed, stop what you're doing. Turn off the Netflix or the Prime. Listen to me. Turn off the radio. Get you some praising going on. I don't care where you're at. Get some worship in your heart. And watch the presence of God fill where you are at. We take coffee breaks. Listen to me. We take rest breaks. We take lunch breaks. We take smoke breaks. Somebody said, how did he know? (laughs) But God's answer for difficult days is how about we stop and take a praise break? How about we stop and take a break to pray? And take a break to praise and worship and to give God thanks. And whatever you've come heavy laden on your heart and mind today, why don't you just let him have it? Why don't you just cast it all on him today? It's the antidepressant that every individual needs in this house. Paul and Silas, stripped, beaten, bloody, Bruised, broken bones, few broken ribs, naked on the prison floor, wrongly accused. And there they are thinking they're going to die. Their circumstance is not good. Many of us would probably be crying and moaning and complaining and cussing and whatever if we were in that situation and Silas is nervous and Silas leans over to Paul looks over at Paul and said Paul I'm I'm nervous are they going to put us to death tomorrow and Paul's like hold on Silas We, we need to pray and all of a sudden Paul says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And Paul's praying, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Silas, are you feeling it yet? Are you with me, Silas? Keep praying, Paul. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And they start praying again. And Silas goes, Paul, Paul, I got a song. Can I sing? And Paul goes, take take it away. And Silas goes, after that prayer, Paul, I've got a feeling. Oh, everything's going to be all right. Oh, I've got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Well, I've got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. And then Paul said, Silas, Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want.
is your time to be set free today. Come on. We're going to sing this again. We're not done yet. Come on. Well, Jesus on the main line. Jesus. We pray that 